said. And yes, I am a ginger with no red hair. Um, I have all the qualities except for the red hair. My beard gets more red the longer it gets. Um, that's enough on that. So, <laughs> yeah. But tonight, I, I'm excited to get to talk uh, and continue in our series, uh, Respectable Sins. And uh, you guys are going to be so distracting right here. No, you're good. Um, but yeah, so we get to start a series of Respectable Sins, and I get to continue in it. Uh, Amy, a couple weeks ago, uh, she talked about gossip. Randy, last week, talked about self-righteousness. Uh, and the idea behind this series is that there's a lot of sins, a lot of areas of life that Christians have a tendency to focus on. And as they focus on those and put a lot of weight on those areas, uh, naturally they, they lower some of these other areas. Uh, and, and we tend to just ignore some of these things, which is why we're calling them respectable sins. Uh, because while they might not actually be respectable, we, we kind of tend to look at them like that. And what I'm talking about tonight is ingratitude. Um, and at first, when I heard this word, I was like, that's kind of a weird word. I actually don't use that, that word that often, the ingratitude side of things. Uh, but we, I think, are plagued with this, with this sin. I actually think that we're uniquely plagued by this uh, in our current like time and culture because we're just surrounded by so much information and we're just saturated by it that it's so easy to be ungrateful because we constantly can figure out what's better and what situation we would rather be in. Uh, so I just think we search for life in all the wrong areas and this leads to a life that's never thankful, is never content, uh, and that we listen to words and teaching that just don't align with Jesus. But what I want to talk about tonight is how God has richly provided for us. Uh, and in that, he's actually given us much to enjoy. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to get to talk about this. Uh, and it's actually something that I've been struggling with recently and thinking about a lot. So it's kind of fun to get to dive into it this week. Uh, but just some examples. Uh, maybe you need examples, maybe you don't, of how we are a little bit full of this, this ingratitude. I just think maybe on this, on the light side, like a couple of weeks ago, I bought this travel mug uh, for coffee, right? Nothing that interesting. And I bought it and I got it and I was excited and I was happy. I was like, this is a cool mug. It's got the auto steel. It's got all that. And then I went back on Amazon and I found a better one that was cheaper. And immediately I was annoyed. I was like, I should have had that one. That's the one I should have got. Um, and that's like just a small example, a fun example. Um, but there's, I think, a lot more and maybe more meaningful ways that we, we are uh, not grateful. Uh, maybe that extends to your friendships um, and the people that you spend time with. Maybe you find yourself regularly just not grateful that they're there uh, or not grateful for that friendship. Maybe you're not grateful for being in college and getting to, to study whatever your career is. Uh, maybe you're working, and you're not grateful for that job. But regardless, I think we're plagued by it. And I'm not even sure we actually have a, a, a solid understanding of what it means to show gratitude in a meaningful way. And this passage that we're going to look at, um, it's going to talk about this. And as I talk, you're probably going to think I'm actually talking more about discontentment than ingratitude. Um, but they're pretty related. Uh, so we're going to bounce between them. And so if you're here and you're not a Christian, I hope you can get a taste uh, for how a follower of Christ is able to be content 
because of what God has already provided for us. And if you here, are here and you would call yourself a Christian, I hope you're challenged to figure out uh, where you're not thankful, where you're discontent, and how that's playing out in your own life and your relationship with the Lord. Uh, but so the passage we're going to look at tonight, it's in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. I'm going to start in the middle of verse 2. I can hear the pages turning. So you guys are getting there. Um, so I'll wait. Great. So I'm going to start in the middle of verse 2. And it says, Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up, puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissensions, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. So I just want to open us with some prayer. Father, I just thank you for this time to get to, to open your word, uh, to get to, to see how you have provided for us, and maybe how we neglect this, how we actually don't seem to care, uh, and that just leads to a life of ingratitude. And Father, I pray that as we look at this passage tonight, Lord, that you speak through me, uh, and that's, that while we're sitting here, uh, that we're willing to, to think about our lives openly and honestly, and to analyze where, uh, where we're lacking in our belief for you in this passage. Father, we just pray these things in your name. Amen. So because God, what I want to look at tonight is how God has provided abundantly and continues to provide. And we're, to, we're, to be, we're able to be ever thankful in that. And that is what allows us to be content in these areas that we wouldn't, and maybe we shouldn't even be content. Just from a from a general perspective, these areas that we, yeah, wouldn't or shouldn't be content. But I think we're going to look at three, I know we're going to look at three questions tonight. And these questions uh, related to this, the first one is, what are the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ that this passage talks about? What draws us away from these sound words? And what should we have gratitude and contentment in? And as I talk about gratitude and contentment tonight, I want to get an image out of your head that might be present. I'm not talking about the idea of just being happy, and while you're happy, you're, you're thankful. That's not what I'm talking about necessarily. I think that's pretty, pretty flippant. It's beyond our control. Um, it's, it's actually pretty easy to, be, to show gratitude when, when things are going well. If someone gives you a $1,000 check, most of us are pretty grateful. Easy. The gratitude that I'm talking about tonight, it goes much further and deeper than that. It isn't self-centered or based on what's kind of around us, but it's based, uh, not based on how things are going in the moment, but it's based on what's true and what's always true. And so in this passage, uh, here in verse, uh, verse 3, it says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first question. What, what are these sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ? that Paul is writing about. What are they? 
And to answer this, I actually want to look a few pages back in our Bibles. We're reading the end of this letter. Uh, and he, he leads this letter with some of those sound words. And so we're going to go back to chapter 1 in 1 Timothy, a page or two back. And in verse 12, I'm going to read verses 12 through 17. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as, as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And so as we talk about these sound words of Jesus that we're going to look at in 1 Timothy 6, this is largely what he's talking about. It's this idea that Paul calls himself uh, the foremost of the sinners. Uh, he calls himself a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, all of these things. And he says, I did those, and I was full of those. Uh, but he says then that he received mercy. Uh, and and what, what I find interesting here is it says, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And I think what he's getting at is that when he talks about the mercy of God, he's saying that he received it because there was no unbelief. If it took the belief for the mercy, um, it wouldn't be mercy. Maybe I get lost in that. Uh, I lost myself in what I just said there. But um, what I'm trying to get at here is that what he's saying is Jesus, or God created us for relationship with him. And yet he was sinful, we are sinful, and so we're separated from him. Um, we have distanced ourselves from him. But he's saying Jesus came here. God came to earth to die for our sins, to take our place. He lived this perfect life that we, that we don't, that we should, but we don't. And he took our place. And I think a lot of times, maybe you hear something similar to this at the end of our talks, but I actually wanted to open with this. Uh, this is the sound words of Jesus Christ. His teaching is that we are sinful and broken. And we can do nothing to fix that because we are so broken. But yet Jesus came to earth and lived that perfect life uh, for us so that we don't, so we can be saved, so we can be forgiven of our sins. And so that's what I wanted to start at. And so um, it is this truth that motivates us as we spend the rest of the time back in chapter 6, verse uh, Timothy. And it's important that we start there. And so I'm just going to reiterate this, but if you're here tonight and you're not sure where you stand on these things, uh, maybe you don't believe them, you've, maybe this is the first time you've heard them, uh, the sound teaching of Jesus, then, then I hope the rest of tonight you're able to hear how this teaching motivates us and even enables us to live a life that is full of gratitude and contentment. And if you're here and you would say that this is something that you believe, uh, then I, I challenge you to analyze areas of your life that you are not full of gratitude, that you're not thankful, that you're discontent. And if you think that this doesn't apply to you, that you, you're very content, I am very content and full of gratitude, you might need humbled because um, you're not. 
and I know that we all fail in this in some way. And so that's that first question, what is the sound teaching of Jesus? So the second question, what draws us away from being thankful in that? And so here, verses four, uh, four through five, it says, uh, he is uh, someone who teaches a different doctrine, right? He is puffed, puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, uh, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And actually, as I, think, I was thinking back to a couple of weeks as Amy spoke about gossip uh, and words of, of death. I think a lot of this fall into that. Um, but these, these people in particular, these, these false teachers, uh, they're, they're teaching doctrine that differs from Jesus. And, and while they're doing that, uh, it's pulling people away from this truth. And, and what they're teaching are things that lead to this, this conceit, this arrogance, this envy, uh, this dissension. And, and I think it's easy as we think about these false teachers to really have a pretty, pretty wicked and evil view of them. Uh, and to think, man, those people are intentionally, like, they're, they're so intentionally trying to pull people away from Jesus' teach, teaching that they're, they're trying to create this chaotic world. And that's, that's maybe true for some, uh, but I don't think that's the entire picture. I think there's also people that maybe, like, in their, in their ignorance or maybe in their lack of knowledge, just continue um, to talk about things that promote envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions. Uh, one example of this, uh, I was thinking back when I was studying back in college. Like I was just sitting at a, at a table uh, studying. I was pretty content doing my thing. Um, and someone came and sat next to me. And they, just, they were just like, man, I want some Dutch bros. Um, and, and I immediately was no longer happy studying. And I wanted Dutch bros. And it's super silly, like a super silly example but it's so easy, it's so easy to see envy come up in our lives. Like, that's all it took. He talks about wanting Dutch bros, and now I'm, like, envious that I don't have Dutch bros. And, and in our life, that's so common. In school, maybe you get a good grade. Someone says they got a better grade. I wish I had that, right? Maybe you're in your workplace, uh, and someone, like, you got hired, you've been enjoying your job for a year. Someone new gets hired, you find out they're making more. Instantly envious. I think we're just full of it. And we do it to each other on accident, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally. But there's actually, I think, quite a bit that pulls us away from Jesus' sound teaching. And as we look at these verses, verses 4 through 5, I, I feel like we're given a specific lens to look at all these things that they're doing through. And it's at the end of verse 5, he says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And so if, if you look back at all these things that I was talking about, not only is it that they exist, but it's that these people are using it for gain. They're saying you should be godly in this way. You should, should uh, yeah, do these things just for their own personal gain. And I think that really changes how I look at this even. Um, and I think it's, it's really easy to find ourselves in this as well. Uh, maybe where have you used uh, even godliness for gain, for personal gain. Uh, and he actually turns the corner in the rest of this and, and starts talking about financial gain. Uh, he starts talking about money. And I think 
that may be true for some of us as well. Uh, but maybe it's school, maybe it's relationships. Uh, but I think we just twist a lot of this and use it for gain. And this all may sound extreme, maybe even like someone um, yeah, who's super intentional. But again, I think, I think we are guilty of this as well. And so to answer, as I look back at this question, what draws us away from being thankful in that? Um, it, it's such a wide range of things. It could be these other people. It could be even um, yourself. And, and so, yeah, sorry, reorient. What do you think uh, has gotten this person to the point uh, where these are the words that they speak? Like, why is this person just so full of all of this? And so back to the beginning, uh, this person has departed from Jesus' teaching. And so why has this person departed? I feel like our answer is given in verse 6. Because after it lists all these things, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And so what was missing this whole time was contentment. This person was not content, and so they had to use their godliness for gain. And so I, I think that that's what they're missing. And as we talk about ingratitude tonight, as we're talking about that and this respectable sin, one of the quotes that came up pretty regularly as I was just looking around is, is by this pastor, Tim Keller. Um, and he, he probably wouldn't call it a respectable sin. He actually says, sin is cosmic ingratitude. It gives you the delusion that you have the ability to conduct and hold your life together. So not just is it what he called a respectable sin. He thinks that ingratitude, um, it's a co- he calls it a cosmic, he calls sin cosmic ingratitude, uh, which is just, to me, it's kind of wild. With the absence of contentment, it really limits us. And I love how this is followed up. After it talks about this, needing contentment with godliness for great gain, it's followed up with this, verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. So what exactly um, is drawing us away from having gratitude for Jesus? Uh, It's that we think we have brought things into this world uh, and or we think we can take things out. But I want to focus on the first, that we think we have brought things into this world and we're entitled to these things. Uh, And guess what happens when we don't get them? Ingratitude. And what causes this ingratitude? The belief that we deserve things that we don't deserve. And I think we're constantly told a lie that we deserve things that we don't. This says, for we brought nothing into the world. We didn't bring our entitlement into this world. Our, our desire for the, the job that we want, our, our desire for the relationship that we want, our desire for the car, for the, I don't know, the degree, the what, insert the blank. Uh, in college, those are always the ones. But like, insert the blank. We're not, we didn't bring those things into the world. And the moment that we start to think that we did is the moment that we get frustrated when we don't have them. And I like to think of all of this under a bit of an umbrella. Uh, And that umbrella is that we think we have brought into this world the right to do whatever we want. That the one thing that we have and the one thing that we get to do in this world is I can just, I can do whatever I want as long as it makes me happy. I have the right to do everything that I want if it makes me happy. And I think that that is the dangerous teaching that never lets us feel gratitude. It never lets us be content because we constantly have to pursue our own happiness. 
And Paul and Jesus uh, in this passage, they, they think differently as well. And how low of a bar, so I think we've raised this bar pretty high for what we have brought into this world. It is up here, like we have brought ourselves and, and whatever we want, our happiness, it's up here. Paul's bar is much lower. In verse 8, he says, but if we have food and clothing, then with these we will be content. So he takes this bar up here. He says, this bar for contentment based off our circumstances is down here. It's so low. It's food and clothing. And especially here, I think we hear that and just shake it off. Uh, but maybe here in, in our country even, we're maybe uniquely blessed at this time, but I think with that, we take some of this for granted. Uh, this food and clothing, like we just assume it. But that's Paul's bar for contentment based off our circumstances, is food and clothing. And so before we move to the last question uh, that I wanna look at tonight, I wanna ask you a question. What kind of things do you attach to your bar for contentment based on your circumstances? As you look at your life, are there certain things that you just must have to be content, to be thankful? I know there are in mine. So this last question, what should we have gratitude and contentment in? And so I'm going to jump down uh, quite a bit in this, the rest of this chapter, uh, down to verse 17. Uh, in verses 17 through 19, they say, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And so when we think about gratitude or, or being content, I think we're, we're often just very selfish with this. Uh, so, so easily, we just kind of let our contentment or our gratitude happen to us uh, and it's, it's solely based off what's going on around us. Uh, and that's actually a pretty selfish way to, to do this. And in this passage, uh, Paul is actually circling back to an earlier point that we skipped, uh, talking about relying on money to be your source of happiness. Uh, it actually, earlier, some of the stuff we skipped, it says, for the love of money is, is a root of all kinds of evils, um, which is a fairly common, even just phrase thrown around. Uh, but as he talks about, about financial riches, he says they are uncertain, and don't place your hope in them. And why are they uncertain? They're uncertain because you, you're always in one of two categories. You either don't have enough and you want more, or you have enough and you have to do whatever you can to keep it. Make sure you don't blow it, lose it, invest it, all these things. Financial riches are fleeting, and they're uncertain, and they never work. And immediately redirected to God, he says, move your focus to God who richly provides us with everything uh, to enjoy. But I think it is interesting about this is he doesn't just stop and saying, focus on what Jesus has done, and that is it. Because that's kind of what I would expect is for him to, fo like, to stop there, uh, redirect, focus on what Jesus has done, and that's it. But he follows it up with his list, and it says they are what, what we are to enjoy, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. 
And when I think about riches to enjoy, those are not the first things that come to mind. But it's, so, so we have to look at why he brought it up. Like, why did he bring up these riches? Um, and we have to circle back to our first question. What, what is Jesus' sound teaching? Those are the riches that he's talking about, what Jesus has done for us. And so the question is, what are we going to do with that? How are we to be good with this richness? How are we to be rich in good works with this richness? And how are we to be generous and ready to share with this richness? I think it's pretty easy, maybe even currently, to think about people who are financially rich. I feel like pretty regularly I hear things that say, oh, they have a lot of money. They should give that to people who need it. I think that's great. Uh, and I think that's pretty common. And I think that's what a lot of people say. They have a lot of money. They should help those who don't have much. And as he, he's making this parallel and keeping this word riches, and I think he's helping us to see what he's trying to say. He's saying, you are rich in what Jesus has done for you. And because you're rich in that, that should inspire you to do something. To be good, uh, to do good and be rich in good works. And it's not just saying like how you act not to just act the right way. When he says this, it's saying to benefit others. We are enabled to do this because we're already rich in what Jesus has done. We're rich in that, and so we can help others. We don't need uh, anything out of it. Uh, we, don't, we don't need a certain response from them as we, as we help someone. You don't need uh, anything from that because you're already rich in what Jesus has done for you. So it helps turn the table because normally when we think about wanting to do good works for others, there's always some sort of underlying motivation. Uh, if any of you have seen Friends, uh, there's a moment where one of the characters is trying to do this, this good act, this good deed. Um, and as she's doing this good, the whole episode, she spends time trying to do good deeds. And every time she does something, it gets traced back to something that's benefited her by doing it. And I think that's true. Like, Unless we have something else to motivate us, we always have an underlying motivation. And so our motivation to do good, to be rich in good works, is the richness that we already have in Jesus. In this last part, to be generous and ready to share. Did you think about someone, again, who's financially rich? Like we challenge them to be generous with their money, to give their money to those who need it. And so as we get to think about what it is to be rich in Jesus, like I wanna challenge I challenge us to be generous with it. As you think about what Jesus has done for your life, if, you, if you're here and you'd call yourself a Christian and you would say that Jesus has, has died for you, then my challenge is to be generous with it. Don't just keep it to yourself. Don't just, it's, it's happened. Oh, this is great for me. That, that's for me though, not, not for you. To be generous with it, to be ready to share and wherever you're at in that process is great, but just lean into it. If you're generous and you are ready to share, do it. Talk to people about what Jesus has done, how he has transformed your life. If you're, maybe you're not confident to share, uh, talk to someone. You could talk to me. You could talk to uh, Abby. You could talk to Nick. You could talk to anyone of us here, and we'd love to help you with that as well. But we have this richness are we going to, to be content, to be greedy, and to keep that? Or are we going to start showing gratitude for what he has done by benefiting others 
and by sharing with others. I'm in there. I pray. Father, I just thank you for tonight. Uh, and again, I thank you for what you have done for us, for this richness, uh, and that you have, you have taken our place uh, by coming down here, living the perfect life. You have done that for us, Lord, and that we, we can be full of gratitude uh, because you have done that for us. And I pray that as we leave here tonight, that we're just challenged uh, to let this impact our life and to, to share this with others uh, and to, to benefit others. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.